This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, <clears throat> in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I am taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. Well, for the third time in the history of Faith Christian Center, uh, we go to the book of 1 John and just walk through it. And what always interests me is to go back and study books of the Bible that apostates and heretics say ought not be in the Bible. Now, the fascinating thing is, today picking up in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, the first three words are, my dear children. And so these modern apostates and heretics say that 1 John wasn't written to Christians. It's just nonsense. Because if 1 John wasn't written to Christians, why would the apostle John write, my dear children? So he obviously wasn't writing to the lost. He obviously wasn't writing to unsaved people. He was writing to the church, believers. And then look what he writes to believers. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Now that's just very interesting because that tells me that the Apostle John's preference would be that believers not sin. And it also tells me that it is possible for believers to sin. Now we're going to find out more about this in a few verses. Say it out loud. We ought not sin, but if we sin, there's a way to receive forgiveness and be restored in fellowship with Father God. Can you see that? Now, now people, you know, they have, they have trouble with this dichotomy. But we're human beings and every one of us has the seed of Adam in us. Doesn't matter how long we've been born again, how long we've been saved. And uh, so as long as we're in these houses of flesh, we have to deal with certain things. And <clears throat> it's actually tougher now than it ever has been. You know, when I was a boy in high school, we had no access to porn. The only porn was at a convenience store behind solid covers to hide even the covers of those magazines. But now every electronic device in the world has got porn on it. When, when Sue and I were in high school, the only thing I knew about for sale around the high school was marijuana. But oh my gosh, forget about that now. I mean, you know, they just invent things. Crack, one hit of crack, and you're an addict. That's why they give it out to school children for free. One hit. It's not, it's not like other drugs. One hit, you're an addict. Heroin's everywhere. Cocaine's everywhere. Not only that, now fentanyl is everywhere. And what a killer. So my point is, the opportunity to sin has been vastly multiplied in this generation. So if the opportunity to sin has been vastly multiplied in this generation, should we be less on guard or should we be more on guard? More. We have to be more on guard. My dear children, 
I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, so it's a balancing act. He's writing that we wouldn't sin, but if anybody does sin. So it must be possible. See, these modern heretics are saying that it's, it's not even possible for the Christian to sin. And this goes hand in hand with it doesn't matter what you do. And a lot of this is actually coming out of uh, Joseph Prince in the Orient. And oh my gosh. Because, and he writes in one of his books that, you know, his church didn't really grow and take off until he started teaching this. This generation has made a huge mistake. When I was a boy, everybody knew why Elvis was famous. Well, because he was talented. Everybody knew why Elizabeth Taylor was famous. But you cannot tell me why Kim Kardashian is famous. You can't explain Why is Paris Hilton famous? You can't explain it. And this generation has made success and money what it's all about, and even preachers. And when you make success and money what it's all about, you drop all standards. There are no standards. There are no standards. And that's in the church. And I could name a name. The reason I mentioned his name is he's halfway across the world, doesn't matter. But I could name a name of a guy in the United States of America and everybody would know that name and he had that heretic into his church. Why? Well, because he's famous, because he's successful, because he has a lot of numbers, because, 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 because. See, that's, that, you're not having any standards when you do that. I mean, I wouldn't care if the guy, guy was the biggest guy in the world uh, with regard to Christianity. If he wanted to come speak at Faith Christian Center, I'd say, well, no, thank you. See, you have, you have somebody in the pulpit and they, they lead God's people astray. It can take six months or 12 months for the pastor to try and fix it. And even then, you may not get it fixed because people go, I mean, look, It'd be, like, it'd be like some health guru. You know, I'm on the substack of several MDs and I try and keep up with what's going on. And, and it'd be great, it'd be great if one of them sent a substack tomorrow morning and said you can eat all the ice cream you want to eat and you'll actually lose weight doing that. <laughs> and and I, would, I, would, I would think, well, that's really cool. But I'm too smart to believe that. Do you understand? But a lot of people, if you tell them, you can just do whatever you want to do and you're going to be just as blessed as somebody who takes care of themselves morally and spiritually and physically. Well, you kind of get what you deserve. You kind of get what you deserve, right? I mean, that'd be like me getting an email saying you can eat all the ice cream you want and you're, you, actually you're not going to gain weight, you're going to lose weight. If I was dumb enough to believe that and take action on that, I would deserve what I got. Can you see that? And so a lot of people, and along with this thing of it all being about success and money, critical thinking just went right out the door. People, people don't think critically about the information that's being spewed out at them. It doesn't make sense. Obviously, if somebody saves money, they're going to get a different result from somebody who doesn't save money. Obviously, if somebody invests money, they're going to get a different result from somebody who doesn't invest money. Obviously, if somebody counts calories, they're going to get a different result from somebody who doesn't count calories. I mean, obviously, if somebody plants, you know, my daughter-in-law just planted corn. Well, guess what she has? Corn. Well, the neighbor could complain, I ain't got no corn. You know, you got some serious white privilege going on over there because you got corn and I don't have corn. I mean, you could complain until the cows came home, but this is the way the world works. If you don't plant corn, you don't get corn. Do you understand? And so actually, this heresy is counterintuitive to what we see in God's creation. 
You get what you sow. We know this from God's creation. And so he writes, my dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We learn more about this in the book of Hebrews, that Jesus is our advocate. He is our high priest. He is our advocate. That means attorney. He, he argues our case before the Lord. And so we go, to, we go to Father God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is how we plug into God. Amen. We are flesh and blood. How can we relate to God? How can God relate to us? Because his son, the word, was planted as a seed in the womb of a virgin and God became a man. And so when you have pain in your body, he knows what that's like now because of Jesus. When your stomach is empty and you're hungry, he knows what that's like now because of Jesus. How about this? When people lie about you and make up stuff about you, he knows what that's like because of Jesus. Can you see that? So Jesus is where we plug into God. Jesus is our connection to God. And if we sin, now we ought not go out here and try and set records sinning. Amen. But if we do sin, we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, so, so let's say we sin. We go to, we say, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I confess this. This is, that was wrong. I should not have done that. And, and I confess it in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would forgive me in the name of Jesus. Well, see, Jesus is right there at the right hand of Father God. And he pleads our case. He says, now, Father, I bled and I died and I shed my blood for the forgiveness of their sins. So forgive them. He pleads our case. Can you see that? But it's not just that. He's also the high priest of our confession. Verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now see, now we're getting into problematic stuff. I mean, so far it's been okay. <clears throat> but now we, we hit a speed bump. Somebody pulled the pin on the grenade. And here we are. Because he says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. And all of these modern heresies basically are about, we're not in the book of Hebrews, but in the book of Hebrews chapters 3 and 4, it deals with the sin of the children of Israel as they were crossing from Egypt over to the Holy Land, the Promised Land. And there's four, four words there used as synonyms. Sin, disobedience, rebellion, and unbelief. And so it all goes to rebellion. Sin is rebellion. Sin is unbelief. Sin is rebellion. And we've all, know, we've all done this. We all know this. You know, the speed limit says 50, and you think that's ridiculous. It should be a 95 through here. And uh, so, you know, you, you, you don't go 55. You know, you go 60 or whatever. We've all done that. In other words, we know what the law is. We just choose to do something else. And a speeding ticket as a consequence is nothing compared to uh, just the other day, I sent, sent my family and the people in management here. Did you know that worldwide sexually transmitted diseases have never been occurring at a higher percentage of the population ever? Ever? All-time highs. See, so a speeding ticket, I can handle that. But something that I got to scratch and take pills for the rest of my life? No, I'm not interested in that. Amen. See, in other words... Some consequences I could handle, like a parking ticket, but other consequences, no, I'm not interested in paying that consequence. Amen. I'm not interested in seeing some other dude drive my car. Amen. I'm not interested in seeing some other dude live in my house. Not going to happen on my watch. Amen? Amen? 
consequences, obedience. This is a wicked and a lazy generation. And that Bernie Sanders thing is in the church. That it doesn't matter what you do, and it, whether you go to work or not, you ought to, you ought to get a check. And everybody, it doesn't matter what you do as a Christian, everybody's going to be blessed at the exact same level. This is total, absolute nonsense. Now, I'm going to get into this Wednesday night. I'm, I'm standing here mulling over whether to pull Wednesday night over here this morning. I'm absolutely going to pull Sunday morning over into Wednesday night. Don't miss it. But here's an example. Last Wednesday night, I, I said that when I got married, I didn't know anything about being a husband, not, not because, I mean, because of the people who raised me. I didn't know anything about being a husband. So I went to the Word of God to find out how to be a husband. When Austin was born, I didn't know anything about being a father, not raised by the people I was raised by, so I went to the Bible to find out how to be a father. So we started our lives out doing a pretty good job of being doers of the Word of God, but obviously we weren't doers of all of it because in 1989 I was at 5 a.m. prayer and I told the Lord I was tired of not ever having any money and the Lord spoke to me and he said, well, son, just Shandai, Rondai, tie my bow tie three times and FedEx will be here by 10 o'clock. Is that what he said? He said, son, uh, do a Daniel fast. Is that what he said? He said, uh, son, do a prayer chain. Is that what he said? He said, uh, he said, son, anoint yourself with oil. Is that what he said? No, he said, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. In other words, he pointed out an area of the book of Proverbs, the Bible, where I had not been taking action. And you've heard me say a thousand times, whatever part of the Bible you don't take action on, that's exactly what's going to bite you. So right there's an example. If I save money and the next guy doesn't save money, obviously I'm going to have a different result. And saving money is in the book of Proverbs. So see, when I become a doer of the word of God, I automatically have less trouble. When I become a doer of the word of God, I automatically don't open doors for the devil to walk through. When I become a doer of the word of God, I give God more opportunity to bless my life. Can you see that? And this is why, see, people have trouble with this. I don't. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now, there's a nice couple, or they were a nice couple, that we met decades ago. And when we first met them, I mean, my God, how gifted, how anointed. Oh my gosh, in, in all of my 66 years, one of the most gifted, one of the most talented individuals I've ever come across, but they were still a little Pentecostalish. They'd, they'd grown up in a oneness church, which is like, you know, Pentecostalism on steroids. And so she wore very little makeup. She wore long hair, uh, looked like a horse's mane. She wore long skirts and... Uh, and so at some point, at some point, at some point, they got liberated. They got freed from all of that. But see, the problem is now he's on his third wife. So part of this it may be a reaction to legalism among full gospel people. But my question is, why cannot people just walk down the middle of the road? Why do they have to get in the ditch on the right? Or why do they have to get in the ditch on the left? Why cannot people just walk down the middle of the road? Amen. And listen, whenever you come across a religion that picks on women, run for your life because they're nothing but a bunch of weirdos. And I could stand here and name religions and then, you know, we might get, this message could be bounced off the platforms. But my point is, among Pentecostal people, you know, uh, skirt lengths and makeup and hair length and all of that. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I have been full gospel in full gospel circles for 61 years and I have never been in a church that did that. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I didn't have to get over all of that. Yes. 
So some of what we're seeing in full gospel circles is a maybe, maybe, maybe a reaction against all of those superfluous rules and regulations that don't have anything to do with anything. You know, I've met women and I wish to God somebody would sell them some makeup. <laughs> and and I've, I, I've met women who wore pants and they were just as immoral as immoral could be. And I've met women who wore, you know, uh, skirts and they took care of themselves and they were completely righteous. See, one is outward and the other has to do with the heart. See, like we taught, teach in the week of increase, you can be a poor man and go to heaven. You can be a poor man and go to hell. You can be a rich man and go to heaven. You can be a rich man and go to hell. Well, the same is true with regard to women and their appearance. Uh, you can be a goodwill chick and go to heaven. You can be a goodwill chick and go to hell. You can, you know, look fantastic and go to heaven. You can look fantastic and go to hell. Didn't God, isn't there somewhere in the Bible where God specifically told a prophet, don't look at the outward appearance? God does not go by the outward appearance. God goes by the heart. What's wrong with people? And now all the standards are gone. I got out of bed this morning and the Lord was speaking to me very directly and it was pretty brutal. The Lord was speaking to me very directly about a lot of this and he, he, he said, he, he, he didn't name names, but I saw their faces flash before me and he said, they're not even a doer of the word of God on Psalm 1. Let's go there since we're on this topic. Let's go to Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. How many of you want to be that guy, that gal, that whatever you do prospers? Amen. Okay, this is what the Lord said to me this morning. He said, they're not even doers of the word on Psalm 1 and how, mu how much more basic could you get? And he also said to me, this is where all the divorces come from. I mean, there are huge ministries, and to count the divorces just among the family, you couldn't even count them on your fingers. You'd have to take your shoes and socks off and use your toes. How does that happen? How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, because they're not doers of the word of God on Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. In other words, if, if I teach my children standards and my children don't hang out with wicked scoffers and that, see, in other words, if you let your children hang out with the wicked, they're going to divorce your kid later. You let your children hang out with scoffers, they're going to divorce your kid later. Pastor, you don't believe it's that simple. I absolutely do. See, and this is why I have no trouble whatsoever with 1 John 2, 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands because there was not a command or an exhortation having to do with anything moral in the entirety of the word of God that was for God's good. What difference does it make to God if you and I steal from each other? Doesn't make him any difference. He's in a place called heaven, but it will damage us. What difference does it make to God whether or not we all committed adultery? Well, it doesn't make any difference to him because he's in a place called heaven, but it will damage us. What difference does it make to God if we don't walk in love toward our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, none because he's in heaven, but it's going to damage us and we're going to sow the wrong seeds and we are going to open doors for the devil to march right into our lives and wreak havoc. And yet this generation's got a problem with this. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. 
So how do we know, how do we know we're born again? Talk to me. How do we know we're born again? Well, let's take it, let's make it, let's bring it home. Let's say you have a, uh, a teenage kid or a child in their 20s and they're dating. How do you know that person they just brought over to the house is a Christian or not? Talk to me. Well, because they confess Jesus. You know whether or not they're a Christian by what they do. Yeah, but we're not supposed to judge. Is that right? Well, the exact same guy that talked about that, Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. And I mean, I'm telling you what, this is going to get complicated in the future. Because at least when I interviewed Derek, you know, I mean, I mean, the questions I asked him were rugged. But oh my gosh, the way this thing is going, these questions are going to have to get, we might have to send people to an MD to find out if they're really what we think they are. Because he's talking about fruit. So this generation has rejected this whole thing of, and actually here's, here's what it is, and this is what the Lord explained to me when I woke up this morning, that a lot of these people that were word of faith, a lot of these people that got famous being word of faith, they are not word of faith any longer. They have devolved into Pentecostalism. And I'm with Oral Roberts on this. I've never been a Pentecostal. I'm a charismatic. He was so funny. He was such a wonderful man. He said, how do you know the difference between a Pentecostal and a Charismatic? He said, well, if you raise your hands like this, you're a Pentecostal. And if you raise your hands like this, you're a Charismatic. <laughs> but Charismatic sounds newer and cooler than Pentecostal. Lester Summerall used to jo joke about how that, you know, the Pentecostal people, they got long skirts and long faces. <laughs> Every group, and you know this is true about races, right? You, you can learn a lot from Hispanic people. You can learn a lot from African folks. Every culture... Every race has positives and negative strengths and weaknesses, but that's true in Christian circles. I call it cross-pollination, and so I've learned some good things from my Southern Baptist brothers. There are some groups I haven't learned anything from them, but what I'm saying is, in other words, I want to learn what I can learn where I can learn it, but also I want to avoid pitfalls wherever I can see them and identify them. We had, had Usher many years ago, wonderful man, I want him to the Lord. But before he became head usher, another guy came up to me and said, hey, pastor, you want me to do something about that? I said, do what? About what? He said, well, so-and-so, this new guy, you can see through his white shirt, he's got lucky strikes in his shirt pocket. I said, leave him the heck alone. I said, we're not the faith police. We don't run around policing things. And I said, if he's come to know Jesus, which I believe he has, I said, that'll fall off him like leaves off a tree in the fall. And sure enough, it wasn't long. And, and he was a wonderful man and later became a head usher. But the point is, if we love God, if we love the word of God, if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to be coming more like God and not more like the world. Can you see that? I'm getting ahead of myself in 1 John. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Listen, what if we just went by these few verses when our children started dating? For example, the book of Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So if somebody wants to date your son, if somebody wants to date your daughter, well, it might be a good thing to ask them. Do you go to church? Well, where do you go to church and how often do you go to church? Because if they're not a doer of the word of God, well, it's a, it's a no-go situation. Amen. Houston, we're not ready for a launch. 
You understand? The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anybody obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Oh my gosh, now we have more clarification that we know we love God because we do his word. We know we love God because we obey his word. But wait a minute, like I learned from one of my daddies in the faith, Dr. Frederick K.C. Price, let's turn that coin over. If somebody doesn't, obey God, then we know what? They don't love God. Now listen, we're not talking about doing anything to them. We're not talking about cursing them. We're not talking about condemning them. Well, and that's the reason I brought up Psalm 1. You just don't truck with them. We had a minister speak here a lot. Austin told the story so I can tell it. Uh, we had a minister speak here a lot. And the last time he was here, we're eating lunch over here in the fellowship area across the atrium. And he was telling me about a church he had just come from. And it was a man that I'd met in 1982, him and his father. His father was famous, famous, renowned. The son's not as famous, but you know, he's doing a good job. He's winning people to Jesus. And this evangelist had just been there and he, he was mocking this guy and making fun of this guy and talking about how stupid this guy is. And, and, and then, then he's saying, well, he's going to be going back in a few weeks. This, look, this is just not appropriate. If you, how many of you want to be blessed by the Lord? Let me see your hand if you want to be blessed by the Lord. Keep your mouth off God's people. And there are places, there are times I'm somewhere and I think, well, you know, this, this is not really my thing. But that doesn't mean I'm going to flap my mouth about it. And so, and then he was telling us he was going back. And then the Holy Spirit, you got to be careful with Gene and Sue Lingerfeld. Because while you're flapping your lips in the breeze, the Lord may be speaking to us. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, next week he's going to be somewhere else and he's going to be mocking you and making fun of you. And so I stood up and said, well, God bless you. We're not doing this anymore. Bye. The Lord said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And the second greatest commandment was like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, do you talk them down? No. Do you run them down with your mouth? No. And this is one reason why I am blessed at the supersonic level. You want to know a simple reason why I'm blessed at the supersonic level? Because if somebody took me to lunch and they, they started saying all this horrible negative stuff about Vaughn or about Matt, you know, and, you know, how terrible they were and, you know, blah, 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 blah I, I'd leave. But a lot of you all... You go to lunch with somebody and they start running down Pastor Sue or they start running down Austin or they start running down Jessica or they start running down Dr. Gene Lingerfeld. You just sit there and your slop bucket ears take it all in. Not me. So actually, see, I love y'all more than some of y'all love me. And it's proven because I have no ears for any junk about you and yet you'll go to lunch and sit there and listen to somebody talk down about faith christian center or gene lingerfeld or whatever that's why i'm blessed at the supersonic level i keep my mouth off god's people and i do not have ears for junk about god's people Amen. now I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying you're perfect. But look, if we're not for each other, who's going to be for us? Amen. See, he says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he says is a liar. And the truth of God is not in him. But if 
but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And so in my, in my, in my time, on, in my pilgrimage, I don't think anything has driven me quite as crazy as these Christians who talk about love and they're just the meanest people I've ever come across in my entire life. And then, you know, I get criticized because I'm not that demonstrative. But I'm just not a faker. I'm just not going to do it. Now, there are times, you know, sometimes <laughs> there are men who have been to prison and they need a hug. Some of these vets have been so seriously wounded and I can tell they need a hug. Sometimes somebody's in grief and mourning. You know, I'm very careful. But I can be criticized because I'm not as demonstrative as some people. But my love for you is not proven by fawning over you. My love for you is proven by my being a doer of the word of God. Can you see that? How do I know that? Well, because we have this thing called the Bible. And it specifically says if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. So love is not a matter of fawning. You know, a lot of Christians are like the gal I came across in South Beach many years ago. I, we were staying, I think it was at the Ritz-Carlton Ritz South Beach. We don't stay there anymore because, you know, it's very few great rooms and it's kind of a dangerous area. But anyway, we were there and I'm walking and I walk down the city streets and I get bored with that. So I come back up uh, Collins. And it must have been about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking along, and I hear this voice behind me say, Hey, baby. <laughs> and a lot of Christians, that's what they want, you know? That's not love. It's something else, but it's not love. And a lot of, actually, it is what goes on a lot of times because when somebody fawns on you like that some guys have never figured this out those women at work they're they're not flirting with you because they think you're a stud they're flirting with you because they think you got money just need to wake up austin and i went in stopped at a hair place once i needed something and I, we stop in there, and uh, Austin goes in with me, and I bought hair gel or whatever it was. And, you know, this gal was probably 20, 30 years younger than me, hitting on me. And I used it as a teaching opportunity. So we get in the car. It was a 911 convertible. And I, we get in the car, and I said, now, look, you do realize she wasn't hitting on me because she thought I was something. She was hitting on me because she saw the car. Tell you, if you're sitting next to a guy, tell him, wake the heck up. But that's not love. Hey, baby. That's not love. See, what is that? That's a user. That's somebody wanting to use you. And that can go on in churches. We were at my dad's wake, October 1993. My dad died. If he didn't want me telling it, well, he shouldn't have done it. He... he <laughs> He died in the hotel room with some, some other woman. My dad, my dad never carried less than $500. Never, never. I saw him once buy a washer and dryer and pull out hundreds. My dad never carried less than $500. When the Kentucky State Trooper took his wallet to my mom, it had $40 in it. What would that be like? What would that be like? To be in a hotel room with some woman's not your wife, and your wife's a licensed vocational nurse. And you're not, but you're not with her, you're some other woman. And uh, you're in the throes of a heart attack and somebody's going through your wallet. And then they split after they call the front desk and say, we need an ambulance. But anyway, so my mom, you know, she, you know, oh, well, don't you know that 
that he repented before he died. I said, well, exactly where would he have fit that in in the time frame? You know what my daughter calls me? What does my daughter call me? What does my daughter call me? Dr. Reality. I'm just dealing with the reality. So she says, well, you know, surely he repented. I said, well, exactly where would he have fit that in in the timeline? So we're at the wake. And she's, her, her, the pastors where she was attending in Cincinnati came in. And she's rehearsing all this nonsense to them. And so the pastor's wife put her arms around my mom, patted her on the back, said, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure he did repent, Nellie. I'm sure he confessed his sins to Jesus. I'm sure he's with, a, I'm sure he's in heaven right now. And she's patting my mom on the back and looked over my mother's shoulder and winked at me. Sue was there. See, that's not love. Love would be to say, the most important thing is because he's gone. The most important thing is for you to live in such a way to where you'll know where you're going and there will be no question. In other words, speak the truth in love. We don't need to slam anybody, but we need to encourage each other, prod each other on, encourage each other to do good works. Can I get an amen? Amen. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Tell your neighbor, that's a high bar. Tell the neighbor on the other side, that's a high bar. So who did, who did Jesus trash talk exactly? Tell me, list the, list the names of everybody Jesus trash talked. See, we need to study the life. We need to go back and restudy the life of Jesus as if we had never read any of it and see how he lived. He never trash talked to anybody. He didn't have ears for nonsense. He didn't fellowship with Herod. He didn't say to Peter, uh, Herod's famous and he's rich. Uh, let's go hang out with Herod. He made no attempt to hang out with celebrities. He spoke the truth in love. He talked about hell three times as much as he talked about heaven. We ought to go back and study Jesus with a fresh pair of eyes. On the way over here, I heard Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, say we have the wrong idea about Jesus in so many ways. We think he just healed everybody. He didn't just heal everybody. Go to Mark chapter 6. There were places where he could do no mighty miracle at all because of their unbelief. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. I'm going to have to quit here, but let me tell you what, this is huge. This thing of trash talking other believers is serious. He says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. And I'm going to wrap up and go back to Psalm 1 so you know what pastor's doing. Blessed is the man. How many of you think that I'm determined to be blessed? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the word of the Lord, and on his word he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. And this is how we stay out of trouble. This right here is how we stay out of trouble. I hope to God my children follow Psalm 1 with their children and dating and marriage. 
Because the Lord said to me this morning, in the ministry, that's where all these divorces come from. Because people are not doers of the word of God on Psalm 1. And how much more basic can it get? You've heard this since you were a child. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So you know how many friends I have that fit those three categories? How many friends do you think I have fit those three categories? None. How many, how many contacts do you think are in my phone that fit those three categories? None. So if, 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 if some guy preaches for the hey baby church and then wants to come to Faith Christian Center, what do you think our answer is? God bless. See, from a distance. I like distance. You can't catch an STD or monkey pox or any of it from a distance. Just stand at a distance. Say, God bless. And everybody in America obviously is doing their own thing. Well, guess what? If everybody has a right to do their own thing, guess what? I have a right to do my own thing, and my thing is the Word of God. And the keep pretenders. Pastor, did you really use the word? There are a lot of pretenders. And just because somebody says Jesus doesn't make them a Christian. And there's more ways to be messed up now than ever. My, 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 my. You know, I referred to those people from our past and a more talented, a more gifted man I've hardly ever met. He's on his third wife. When do you think, when do you think God's people would say enough? Enough's enough. That's it. I'm out of here. I mean, if I divorced Pastor Sue and, you know, married some other chick, would you be dumb enough to stay? And then what if I divorced that chick and then married an even younger chick? Would you be, in other words, is that dumb or is that double dumb? Well, pastor, there are divorced people here this morning. Yeah, but you're not the preacher. You're not in the guy in the pulpit. You're not the leader. You're not supposed to be living a life set apart. What a great message we heard last Sunday morning on Samson and how God intended for him to live a life set apart and he failed God and he failed the purpose of God in his generation. So we who teach the word, James says, we who teach the word are going to be judged more harshly. We're going to be judged more strictly. Well, I'm fully aware of that. So I just can't live like, carry on like everybody else. Do you understand? And so we live in a day where people have no standards and it's all about success. It's all about fame. It's all about notoriety. And now you can't even explain why somebody's famous. Literally. And yet we have preachers chasing that. Listen, my job is not to make me famous. My job is to make Jesus famous. Amen. It doesn't matter whether anybody knows me or not. The only thing that matters is, do they know Jesus? And if we know Jesus, our behavior is going to change. If we love God, our behavior is going to change. If we love God, we're going to love his word. If we love God, we're going to actually obey the commands of the Word of God. Aspire heads, you may be here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life individually and personally. I want to give you the opportunity to do so. You may be here this morning and you're away from God. You're, you're not living for God this morning like you once did. Jesus said, John 3, you must be born again. He said in Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. First John 1, 9, we didn't 
1 John 1, 9, we dealt with last Sunday. If anyone confesses his sins, he is faithful and just. Jesus, Father God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You might be here this morning and you're backslidden. You're not living for the Lord like you promised God you would. You're not living for the Lord like you once did. If you're here this morning and you want to be saved, you want to be born again, or you want to recommit your life to Christ, I want you to lift the hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Pastor, pray for me. Yes, sir, I want to be born again. I want to be saved. Or I want to recommit my life to Christ. Everybody in the room, let's stand up. Everybody in the room, let's stand up. If you raised your hand for either invitation, I want you to gather your belongings. I don't want you thinking about your belongings. I want you to gather your belongings. Step boldly into the aisle and join me here at the front. We're going to pray. God's going to change your life. God's going to answer your prayers. God's going to meet you. God's going to give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Anybody else? That's great. Anybody else? Whether you raised your hand or not, if the Lord's dealing with you, calling you, I want you to step, be bold. You know, the world's not bashful about what they're doing. So why should we be bashful about the things having to do with God? So everybody in the room, let's bow our heads. Let's pray for the sake of this young man who's come to give his life to Jesus. Father God, Everybody in the room, out loud. Father God, I stand before you today and I give you my life. In times gone by, I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. I've lived for self. But today I turn from that old way of living and I give you my life. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, purify me, Take out of my life anything that would hinder me in my walk with you and put within me a heart that loves you and loves your word and loves your house. I believe in my heart, Father, that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. So according to your word, life is imparted to me. And I thank you for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you, sir. If you would go with Mr. Jeff Hughes, we'll get you right back in the service as quick as we can.